So I have this irrational belief and confidence in myself that with enough time, I could do anything. For example, with enough time, like let's say two to four years, I believe that if I really worked at it, I could become a professional baseball player. Now, you can see me, I can see me, I know that this is unreasonable, I know that this is illogical, but I just have this like irrational belief that with enough time, I could do anything. Like, with, like I get it, I'm short, I'm not exactly athletic, like it's, it's a problem, but I believe that if I really worked at it, I could be a baseball player, which is crazy, because baseball players, they're really disciplined in how they eat. They're really disciplined in workouts and practice and, and just being generally better at being a physical body than I am. I am not those things. I am not disciplined in eating that much. I am not disciplined in working out. I don't work out. Um, I'm just not that disciplined to be a professional athlete. Another example, I think that if I had two years, I could be an astronaut. I know, it's crazy, but I just believe that. Like, if I had enough time, and I, like, that's my full-time job, is just studying astronautology. I don't even know what it's called. But I, like, believe that if I just spent my whole next two years, my full-time job is just astronaut, 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 I could be an astronaut. That's, like, I have disqualified me. I have to wear glasses to see. I'm pretty sure that's a non-starter. Like, you need to be able to see. That seems like a basic requirement to be an astronaut. Also, I'm real claustrophobic, like pretty claustrophobic. And for all I've seen in space movies is they're like shoulder to shoulder and the roof is here and they're flying through the atmosphere at thousands of miles an hour. And you have to wear a helmet forever. Like I couldn't do that. I would freak out. It's, it's too, but I just believe that if you gave me enough time, I would crush it. Also, astronauts have to be really smart. Like, for real intelligent. I'm fake intelligent. They're like real intelligent. I'm intelligent in that I know a lot of useless trivia that doesn't help anybody. They're like, for real, like space guys, I don't even know, <laughs> space guys, astronauts, they're, they're, my point exactly, they are smart people and I am okay at life. But I just believe that if I had enough time, I, I could be disciplined in all of these things. But astronauts, they're like for reals disciplined. Like they work out, they're smart, they do all these things. They are very disciplined people. Professional athletes, very disciplined people. And I admire that. Being very disciplined is something that I want to be in my life. Being a disciplined person is something that I strive for. And especially when it comes to things of Jesus, being spiritually disciplined, that is something that I want to practice in my life. And thankfully for me, because I'm not going to be a professional athlete or an astronaut or anything that requires, you know, actual work. <laughs> That's not true. This requires work. But thankfully for me and for us, these things, spiritual disciplines are easily easily obtainable for us. And so tonight we're going to start a series that's called Practice Makes Progress. And we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines. Now, sp simply put, spiritual disciplines are practices we do to grow in our relationship with God. They are called spiritual disciplines because they take discipline, right? They take practice. They take work to get really strong in. However, I like to call them practices. I like to call spiritual dis disciplines practices because it makes it to where like if you fail, if you don't do it correctly the first time or the third time, you miss a day of reading your Bible, whatever it is, you're just practicing, right? If you're in practice, the pressure's off. Like if you miss a, a swing, like I'm not gonna be a baseball player because I don't even know how to talk about it. If you, a strike, you swing a strike in baseball, 
In practice, not a big deal. You get another one. In the game is where it matters. So if we call it practice, we're going to have more success because the pressure is off. And if we are practicing these things, we are going to be making progress and being more like Jesus. But some examples of spiritual disciplines or practices of Jesus are as follows. Scripture study. So that's reading your Bible every day. Worship. That's what we were just doing. Singing songs of praise and worship to God. Fasting. That's where you don't eat. To prove to your body that you are a follower of Jesus. I'm still learning about that one, obviously. Uh, <laughs> confession, where you confess your sins to Jesus and to others, and you're accountable in community. Community is another one where you have believers around you to speak to you, encourage you, hold you accountable, things like that. Another really hard discipline that I probably need to work on as well as silence and solitude. It's probably the hardest one because it's where you go and be silent alone. And that scares me. Um, silence and solitude, generosity, giving, serving. These are all examples of spiritual disciplines. But I want to focus on one tonight, and that is prayer. Now, there isn't a definitive list of, like, this isn't a definitive list of spiritual disciplines because there isn't a list. Like, you're not going to look up in Scripture. Like, the fruit, fruits of the Spirit, that's a definitive list. But in, in Scripture, you're not going to find a list of spiritual disciplines. But you can bet that if Jesus did it, it's on this list. And if Jesus did it, we should be practicing it because we are supposed to become more and more like Jesus. So tonight we're going to look at prayer. Prayer is talking with God. Not just talking to God, but talking with God. And a more basic way to say that is prayer is life with God. It's living with him. It's doing life with him. It's talking to him, communicating him with him. Prayer is the way we experience and connect with God. Prayer is the lifeblood of our faith. It's literal communication with the one who created us. And I hate to say this, but if we aren't praying, our faith is in danger. If we aren't praying, we are disconnected from God, and that opens us up to attack. Prayer is a practice, a spiritual discipline, but it is also a means to an end, and that end is connection and relationship with God. It's just like a conversation. Right? It's just talking with God. And the end goal of a conversation isn't just to talk. It's not just to like, hey, that was fun talking with you. No, it's to grow in a relationship with somebody. It's to build a friendship with somebody. It's to build a relationship with somebody. That is the end goal of conversation. And just like conversation takes practice, so does prayer. The end goal is to connect with and experience God, to have life with him. And so we need to be praying. We need to be connected with God. We can't rely on our own thoughts and our own feelings to guide us through life. We just can't. We can't rely on our conscience to guide us through life. So if you look at the word conscience, the word con, and then science, that's the word conscience. And con means bad, and science means knowledge. So our conscience is bad knowledge. If it's bad knowledge, why are we looking to it, right? And so that's why we need to be connected to God, listening to him for that vital intelligence, that good knowledge that we need to live out our faith daily. And we get this example from Jesus's life. Jesus's life was centered around prayer. Jesus withdrew constantly to pray. We see that in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus went to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights to fast and to pray and then be tempted by the devil. Then we see it right after he feeds the 5,000 in Matthew 14, verse 23. It says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. 
And then again, we see it in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before Jesus was arrested in Matthew 22. Then Jesus went with them, his disciples, to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. Jesus had a rhythm of life that was centered around prayer. And if Jesus's life was centered around prayer, how much more does our life need to be centered around prayer? Jesus is God. And if God knew that he needed to be praying and getting time away to connect with his father, the creator of the universe, how much more do we need that, right? We have a deep need to connect to God through communication, prayer, so that we can understand his will for our lives. But because of the need for it and how much prayer can change our lives for the better, how much impact prayer can have not only in ourselves but the people around us and the world, the enemy is going to try and keep us from praying. And this is why prayer is often the weak point for most Christians. Enemies of prayer include time, right? How many of us would say that we are too busy to pray? Come on. We are so busy. We are more busy in our culture than ever before. So that's why it's hard to gain any ground in our prayer life. On average, teenagers, so ages 13 to 19, spend up to nine hours a day with a screen. So that's your phone, that's your laptop, that's an iPad, that's an Xbox, all of those screens, up to nine hours a day. It's no wonder we are too busy to pray. Between a full day of school, extracurricular activities, maybe a job, spending time with friends, homework, chores, and then up to nine hours a day of scream time. We barely have time to breathe, let alone spend 15 to 20 minutes in prayer. And this is completely backwards, right? How, how often do we go, ah, well, my day is so busy, I don't have time to pray. We should start our day with prayer. We should start our priorities with prayer. Imagine you have a bucket and you're pouring these gallons of water into this bucket, and and then by the time you get to the top, there's this much room left, and you still have a whole bucket of prayer to pour into. What? Like, you don't have any room for it. It's going to overflow and spill everywhere. Of course, we don't have time, but we need to be prioritizing our prayer life over everything else that goes on in our day. Prayer doesn't have to be this hour-long, crazy, spiritual, like, Like you're in a dark room and there's a desk and a candle and like a journal and the Bible's open. You're in a monk robe and you got the weird haircut for some reason. There's a skull on the desk. I don't get that either. Like you don't have to be this monk in prayer spending days in silence. You can do that. There are people who do that. It's called silence and solitude. And and beautiful things can come out of that in your relationship with God. But prayer is just supposed to be more like a conversation. It's supposed to be more like talking to your bestie, like you just hop in and out of conversation all day long. If we can text Bethany all day long about nothing, we can spend five minutes praying to the creator of the universe. Another example of an enemy of prayer can be money. If you've got some money, you can kind of buy your way out of your problems, right? Money can do what prayer is supposed to do, and it's often easier, but it's spiritually bankrupt. Like if you use your money to get out of your problems, you are not relying on God. You are not connecting with him and you are not using prayer as a tool in your life. Another enemy of prayer can be social media or screens or distraction. Our attention is so easily grabbed these days. Tech companies, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, all of these companies, they talk about us as an, an attention economy. 
They're literally trying to figure out ways to steal our attention so that they can make as much money as possible. That's why there are screens everywhere. That's why there are banner ads and targeted ads and, and ads inside of ads and then product placement and all this stuff. They want our attention. Another enemy of prayer is cynicism, or what I like to call the inner critic. Everyone has a critic inside of themselves wondering if what we are doing is real or if it matters. And that is a lie from the enemy. How many of us have been in worship and we're actually starting to experience God with our hands up, connecting with him, and all of a sudden this thought comes into your head and you're like, man, I really hope I don't look stupid. Or you're praying and, and, and you have this thought of like, is this, is this real? Is there anybody on the other side of this? Is, is this real? Is this matter? That is the enemy lying to us through that inner critic, trying to get us to be cynical about what we're doing. And of course, the devil, the enemy is the main enemy against our prayer life. He does not want us to be connected to God. He doesn't want us to connect with God because when we aren't connected to God, he can wreak as much havoc in our lives as he wants. Remember, in the Garden of Eden, the objective of the enemy was to get Eve to question what God said. Did God really say you can't eat from that tree? Did God really say that? And in that moment, Eve and Adam were connected to the wrong voice. But when we are connected to the voice of God and we are listening to him in prayer and communing with him, we are able to hear his voice, know his voice, and listen to his will. So if these are the enemies of prayer, how do we combat them? How do we come across these things and then get past them? How do we pray? Well, we need to be aware of a few things first. The first is not every prayer session has to be an hour long and full of words. It can be five minutes and it can be silent. I don't know if you know this about me, but I talk a lot. I have a lot of words to say. And sometimes I feel like God says, shh, shh that's okay. Let me talk today. And, and so I pray this prayer when I'm feeling that way. I pray, Jesus, I'm here. You're here. Is there anything you want to say to me? And then I sit there quietly. And it is so hard. But I get to hear the voice of God in that moment. Sometimes he doesn't want to talk. He just wants to sit with us. So don't be discouraged. If you pray and you don't hear him speak, sometimes he just wants to be with you. Prayer is meant to be as easy as talking to your best friend, hopping in and out of conversation, right? If we can just pick up with our bestie, like I save stories for when my best friends are around. Like if something happens to me that was funny, I wait to see Joe. I wait to see Will to really talk about it because I'm like, this is hilarious. And then I can workshop it into material for a sermon. And so I wait for them. Like we all do that. We wait for our besties to talk about things. And the same is true for our relationship with God, for our prayer life. We can hop in and out of prayer with him at any point in time. Pastor Craig Rochelle says, I don't pray for a long time that often, but I never go a long time without praying. Meaning your prayer life doesn't have to be these big hour long, three hour long stretches, but it can be five minute chunks when you're driving to school. It can be five minute chunks when you're walking in between classes. It can be when you feel God tugging on your heart. Prayer helps us to know where we stand with God. I mean, we all know somebody that when we interact with them, we're not really sure, do they like me? Do I like them? Is this like a good friendship? Is this a good relationship? You know what I'm talking about? Like you, sometimes I have that with my own family. Like I'm like, does, does my mom like me? I could, sometimes I think I'm annoying, you know, and, and I'm not sure how I come across to my mom sometimes. I know my mom loves, you know what I mean. I know my mom loves me, but like if she had to ride in a car with me for six hours, would we still be 
Will we be good after that? You know, we all have relationships like that where we're not sure what our standing is with that person. Well, how do we solve that? We communicate. We talk with them. We spend time with them. We learn them. We understand who they are and what annoys them. And I understand that I can be annoying, right? We communicate with them to learn them. And this is what prayer does with us and God. When we are connected to God through prayer, we don't have to guess where we stand with him. We know that we are a child of God. We don't have to guess that he wants to come through for us because we know it. In Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, Jesus is praying, and his disciples are with him, and they ask him a question. They say, Lord, teach us to pray. And what's really interesting about this is in all of the Gospels, the whole time the disciples are with Jesus, they never once ask him how to, like, teach us how to cast out demons. They never ask him, teach us how to, teach us how to preach. They never say, teach us how to do miracles. They never say, teach us how to, uh, to heal the sick. They always say, teach us to pray. I find that really interesting because I think in our society, and, and the, the disciples knew this about Jesus, but in our society, we're so attracted to celebrities and like public figures and culture and stuff, and, but we don't realize how many private moments built them up to that place, right? And so I think the disciples knew this about Jesus because they see these huge miracles. Jesus feeds 5,000 people out of two loaves, and, or two fish and five loaves. And he walks on water and he does all these crazy miracles that are these huge public moments. But the disciples were with him all the time and they recognized that that started with prayer. Those miracles started with a prayer life. Those things started in the moments of private with God. And so they asked, teach us to pray. Luke 11 verses 1 through 4. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. So when Jesus said, this is how you should do something, we should probably pay attention. This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Jesus teaches us how to pray in this passage, and it's lined out super simply. And a way for us to remember this, this formula, how, do we, how we pray, is called ACTS. So it's A-C-T-S, which stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So first, adoration. This is this means like to adore someone. This means to tell someone you love them, right? Adoration. And so we're supposed to approach God in adoration, telling him, I love you. God, you are so good. You are so faithful. You are amazing. You're creator of all things. And, and who am I that you should think of me? We put God above us on his place on the throne. And we put ourselves where we belong. We adore God. And, and it's like when you have to ask your mom for something. Right? You want to sleep over at that friend's house, but you know that there's a correct way to ask for things in your house. You, you got to come to mom knowing that the dishes are done, that your homework is done, that you haven't been a jerk to your siblings, that you've really put in the effort to show your mom, like, hey, I love you. And then you ask those things, or at least you should do that way. If you don't, it's not going to go well. But the difference is, is when we are praying, we shouldn't be doing this just to get what we want right? We adore, there is a way to ask for things. There is a way to pray. There is a way to approach God, but we do it because of who he is, not what he can do for us. We approach God with adoration because he is worthy, not because he's a vending machine. Next up is confession, and this is confessing and repenting and asking for forgiveness from sin, and this is a core element to our relationship with God. 
Sin cannot stay in the presence of God. And so when we approach him in prayer and we confess that, God, I've done wrong. God, I'm sorry for that. I, I cussed in class or, or I was rude to my mom or whatever the sin is. And we confess to it and we ask him for forgiveness. Not only is he quick to forgive, but then he's quick to love. Then he's quick to, to move past that and help us in what we need in life. So we want to make sure that we are confessing our sins regularly. Luke 11 verse 4 says, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. T is thanksgiving. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble. I will rescue you and you will give me glory. Psalm 50 uh, verses 14 through 15. Make thanks, thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep your vows to him and then he will rescue us, right? God deserves our thankfulness because he doesn't have to show up. He doesn't have to do what he does for us. He chooses to. And so we show that we are thankful for that. We see this transaction right here. God says when we are thankful to him, he will come through for us time and time again. And so we say thank you. Literally, we say thank you to God in prayer. And last is supplication. And this is just a fancy word for asking for the things that you need and the things that you want. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. We ask God for what we need and we keep asking. We ask and we ask. Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking, and I will meet you where you are at. Luke eleven three says, give us each day our daily bread. God wants to meet our needs. God wants to give us the things that we need in life and provide for us and, and give us what we need. And it's also okay to have things that you want in life and to bring those before God. Let's say it's a new car. God, I want a new car. So bring it before him. Ask him, Lord, should I get this car? Is this a good decision for me to do? And he'll like bring along your parent to say, no, you shouldn't get a Camaro because you're 16 and the insurance is going to be ridiculous and you're going to crash it, you know? God will bring along what you need when you ask for what you want. Our prayer life is supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be a moment in time where we can just connect with God whenever we need. Our prayer life is supposed to be as easy as talking to our best friend. So if you don't know what to pray, talk to him about what's going on. Talk to him about what's in front of you. Talk to him about what hurts in your heart. We all know what's bothering us. We all know what's going on, and we all have problems. Talk to him about those. Say, God, I need help. God, I need help focusing. God, I need help at school. God, I need help at home. My parents are fighting. God, I need help. Ask God for help. If it's boring, if your prayer life gets boring, change it up. Change up your posture. Go for a prayer walk. Walk around your neighborhood. Go pray that way. Go for a drive. Turn on worship music and pray. Talk to one of your friends at 4640 and say, hey, can you meet me at Starbucks? Let's pray together about something. Like You can change up your posture to make it less boring. And if you don't have the time, make the time. We can all find five minutes in our schedule, right? We can all find five minutes less of TikTok. I know I can. I'm on there way too much. We can all find five less minutes of Netflix. We can all find five minutes in all these areas of time and start with five minutes of prayer. If you don't pray at all, start with five minutes. It's super easy. Just pray for five minutes. And then when you feel like you've got that down, go to 10. And then when you've got that down to 20 and then 30, and, and then you can end up being the monk with the fun haircut and the 
the desk in the dark. Like you can do those things, but it's like a muscle. Every, every one of these spiritual disciplines is like a muscle. And the more you practice it, the more you work it, the stronger it gets. Our connection and conversation with God is essential to our survival. We cannot do life alone. We cannot do life without God. And that is why depression is rampant. That is why anxiety is running wild, is because we are more disconnected as this generation than ever from God. We need to war against the temptation to distract ourselves from prayer. We need to war against the temptation to not pray. We need to war against temptation to leave our prayer life behind us. It's not about it being boring. It's not about not having the time. It's not about not knowing what to say. It's about our survival. It's about being able to navigate life in a healthy way with God. And so because this is practice makes progress, I want to give us an opportunity to practice, right? I want to, I want to give us an opportunity to practice. So we're going, to, we're going to turn on some music, and we're going to kind of create an atmosphere of prayer a little bit. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through three different kinds of prayer, and I'm going to define each one of them, and then we're going to pray them. So the first one we're going to do is personal prayer, and this is where you pray for something in your own life that you need. And the next one we're going to do is intercession, And so that is where you pray for something or someone outside of yourself. So that would be like a public uh, crisis or a family member in crisis, things like that. You pray for somebody other than yourself or something other than yourself. And then the last one we're going to do is called silent prayer. And what we're going to do is we're going to listen for God to speak to us. So we're going to start with the personal prayer life. So if we can get the music going. And I want everybody to, you can get up and, and kind of pace around or you can stay right where you're at. Um, I just ask that everybody focuses on God in this moment. We're not chatting with our neighbor. We're not, we're not focused on what other people think around us. We're not falling asleep. We're not, like I know the beanbags are comfy, but this is a time to be intentional with God. And so we're going to start with this personal prayer. We're going to pray for our prayer lives. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but, but I think if we approach God with a, with a humble heart of, of Jesus, I, I want this. I want to pray. I want to be closer to you. I need your help in life. Please help me, God, to pray more effectively. I think if we come before him with that in prayer, he's going to meet us where we're at. So I want everybody to close their eyes and, and bow their heads. And if you need to find space by yourself, that's, that's fine. Just stay where you can hear me. I'm going to lead us through this prayer. Jesus, you're so good. We know we didn't deserve what you did on the cross for us. Jesus, we are just so thankful and grateful that you chose us. Lord, forgive us of our sins, anything we've committed knowingly or unknowingly. Lord, we're sorry. We thank you for your forgiveness. God, we thank you that you speak to us. Jesus, we we need you. We need you, and we need to be connected to you more than ever. We need to hear your voice more than ever. As temptation in the world rises, as uncertainty in the world rises, God, as things, just normal life come against us, Jesus, we need to hear your voice. voice. So Lord, speak to us. Give us a hunger for prayer. Give us a hunger for your word, God. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear you in every part of our lives, God. So I want everybody to kind of take take a second and pray. Pray for God to reveal to you in your schedule where you can pray. Pray to him and, and, and ask him for something to pray about.
there's a place where he wants to meet you. Maybe it's a tree outside that building on the school campus. Maybe it's the 24-road Starbucks. Maybe it's that chair your dad watches a TV in every night and he wants to meet you there first thing in the morning. start to move towards praying for something outside of ourselves. And so in asking God what it is that he wanted us to pray for tonight, I really felt like he, he highlighted two things. And so we're going to start with the first one, which is our parents. I think there's a, there's a, a good bit of us in the room who, who have a hard time with our parents, who whether our parents are right or wrong or, or they're struggling, maybe their, their marriage is on the rocks, maybe, maybe your dad isn't around, maybe you have a hard time connecting with your mom, or, or maybe you live with a grandparent, whatever it is. I just feel like there's a, there's a lot of tension around our relationship with our parents. So we're going to intercede on their behalf. And intercession is when we stand in the gap. It's when we stand in between God and them, and, and we pray for them. It's like having mutual friends and you introduce them. So I'm going to lead us in this prayer of intercession. So Jesus, we turn our parents over to you. God, we ask that you would have their way, have your way in their lives, God, that you would just move on their behalf, God, that you would bless their marriages. God, we ask that you would bless them in their job, God, where there's been uh, unemployment, Lord, we ask that you would provide an opportunity, We provide that you would provide a God opportunity and not just a good opportunity. God, that you would bless our parents in their finances. God, that you would help us to connect with them on a new level. God, we ask that you would help our parents to forgive themselves where they feel guilty, where they feel like they've let us down, where they feel like they've hurt us. God, we ask that you would help them to forgive themselves. And Jesus, where we've judged our parents, God, we ask you to forgive us. So I want everybody to take a minute and, and, and truly pray blessings over your parents, whether it's your mom, your dad, stepmom, stepdad, who's ever your guardian, that, that relationship. I want you to pray a blessing over them. Pray for their health. Pray for their finances. Pray for them. Pray that you would be able to connect with them in a way and, and to be able to forgive and move on. You have to forgive your parents, forgive your dad. And maybe you're saying, you don't, you don't know what he did. You don't know how he's treated me. You don't know how he's treated my mom. 
And that's true, I don't. But forgiveness isn't for him, it's for you. Forgiveness is so that you can let go of the bitterness, so that you can let go of that pain and you can move forward. It's so that that wound doesn't have power over you anymore. So forgive him. felt like God wanted us to intercede for tonight was the situation in in Ukraine. So if you've been watching the news at all, you know that Russia has invaded Ukraine and, and there's a lot of crazy stuff happening and it feels like the world is really unsettled in this time. But beyond the political consequences of that move, beyond the war, there are people getting hurt. There are people dying. And there are people who are being displaced from their homes. And, and Jesus told us to, to have love for the refugee, to have love for foreigners, to have love for people who are displaced from their homes. And so I feel like God wanted us to lift up not only the nation of Ukraine tonight, but also the people of Russia who are being abused and beaten and arrested for speaking out against this evil act. And so right now we're going to pray and we're going to pray for the people of Ukraine. So Lord Jesus, we, we ask that you would intervene. God, you are the God of justice, and where there is war, where there is violence, where there is destruction, where there is injustice, Lord, we know that you are greater. We know that you are bigger. God, where there are, where there are military attacks, we, we just pray for miraculous malfunction of equipment. We, uh, we just ask for miraculous, a hedge of protection around um, people who are innocent. God, we just ask for your provision for people who are displaced from their homes, who have to flee to different countries to survive. God, for people who are trapped in Ukraine, we just ask that you would provide for them. Give them heat. God, give them clothing. Give them warmth. Give them food. God, give them just protection and safety. God, we ask that your swift hand of justice would sweep through the nation of Ukraine, that you would turn the situation around and that you would turn it out for your good, for your people who are there, who believe in you and trust in you. And God, we pray for the people in Russia who have nothing to do with this, who are being wrongfully imprisoned, for speaking out against evil. Jesus, we ask that you would you would exonerate them, God, that you would free them. God, that like Paul and Silas, when they sang and praised you, God, that people would boldly worship you. People would boldly praise you who have felt like they've, they've been underground for so long, God, that they would encounter you, that they would speak of this miracle encounter and God, that the jail doors would fly open, that people would, would be freed. And God, we ask for a protection for the humanitarian workers who are trying to provide aid for people all over the Eastern Europe, in those countries, in Poland, in Ukraine, in in Belarus, in all those areas, God, where, where they're just trying to help people. God, we just pray for their safety. God, we pray that you would that you would provide over and abundant clothes, blankets, food toiletries, all of those things, God, that you just would make what they have go longer and farther than it should. 
God, we ask that you would be glorified through this situation. So lastly, I want us to do a prayer, a silent prayer. And what, I, what this is gonna look like is, is like I mentioned earlier, there's a prayer that I pray where I say, Jesus, I'm here, you are here. Is there anything you wanna say to me? So I just wanna make space for Jesus to talk to each one of us individually. So I want everybody to take this moment to, to pray that. In the privacy of your own heart, ask God, is there anything you wanna say to me, Lord? And listen for what it is he has to say. offer does not define who you are. God will honor you obeying your parents even when you don't want to leave. For someone who simply says, I'm, I'm proud of you. for someone to talk to. Getting help doesn't make you weak. Jesus, we, we are so thankful and grateful that you connect with us, that you want to speak to us, that you want to speak with us, that it's not just a one-sided relationship, it's not us just pleading and crying out to nothing, that you are in the room, 
that you are with us in every step of our, our life, God, that you are with us in every part of our day and every part of our life, that you've been with us since we were formed in our mother's wombs. God, we thank you that you chose us so that we can choose you. God, I pray as, a, as we leave here today that we would find, that we would make the time to connect with you on a daily basis. God, that, that we would seek you out when we have decisions to make, that we would seek you out when we need comfort, that we would seek you out in prayer just when we have silence. God, thank you. Continue to speak to us, God, and I pray that you would bless every person in this room, every person who can hear my voice right now, God that what they've been praying for, you would move on their behalf, that you would deliver it. God, that you would be the God who provides. Jehovah Jireh, you are our provider. So Lord, I just ask for provision and blessing as we walk out of this place tonight. God, we love you so much. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, prayer is so simple. Our prayer life is so simple. Just talk to him. We love you. Good night. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.